Before we begin our Torah study today, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. And we can say, Amen. I want to talk this morning about the promise that God has made to us to lead us forward and whether the times are good or the times are troubled, God will lead us forward. And sometimes the Lord will lead us in unexpected ways. And he may do things that cause us to have questions where we're saying, what's going on here? And sometimes he'll tell us in advance so that we can be ready for something that he is going to do. And in all circumstances and all situations, we can actually draw close to the Lord, and he will help us move forward. And this morning, we're going to look at several ways that he leads through um, our study of the prophets and the Torah and the Brit HaKadoshah, the writings of the New Covenant. So I want to start with a portion from the Haftorah reading, two selections from the prophet Zechariah, in which God is giving a word that is meant to help people understand what he plans to do in the future so that they can line themselves up with it. And as well, I'm going to refer to, if I can successfully, I'm going to refer to a news article that I thought had an interesting connection to this, and I will do that if I can get everything working on my phone. So I have it here. So Zechariah chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 in the English, the, the Hebrew are a little different in the verse numbering. So it says this, Sing, daughter of Zion, rejoice, for here... I am coming and I will live among you, says Adonai. In that day, by Yom Hahu, that's speaking about a, a distant time in the future, anticipating uh, the, the time before the ultimate coming of Messiah. Messiah, we know, has come, but he will come again. In that day, by Yom Hahu, many nations will join themselves to Adonai. And in Hebrew, it uses the word goyim for nations. So you could say Gentile nations, that's one way of putting it. Or you could say many different ethnic groups, that's another way of translating it. Nations is a correct way. But you could say um, that these are nations who are not born Jewish. Many nations, many goyim will join themselves to the Lord and they will be my people. And it uses in Hebrew a very specific word, am, that is used to describe the covenant people of Israel, typically. So God is saying that the goyim will also become am. It's an interesting idea. And he says, they will be my people, and I will live among you. And then you will know that it was Adonai Tzavaot, the Lord of hosts, the captain of battalions, who sent me to you. 
So this is one of the ways that God gives leadership to his people. It's through a prophetic word in the scriptures that speaks about the future so that we can understand how God plans to work and then to recognize when he's doing something and how to have the right attitude about it so that we are active participants. And there are some descriptions here. It starts with this idea, sing, daughter of Zion. So it's directed to the Jewish people. It says, sing and rejoice. Be happy about this. I'm coming, says the Lord, and I'll live among you. And many Goyim will join themselves to the Lord. They'll be my people too. So this is not replacement theology. I want you to understand this. This is what I would call addition theology. This is where God is, is speaking through the Jewish prophet, Zechariah, and he's saying there's coming a time when the great work that God is doing through Israel will be enlarged, and to them will be added many nations as well. This is consistent with the promise that God made to Abraham when he said, I'll make you a father of many nations, and he used the Goyim word there too. So God has made a promise. It's an interesting promise. He promises to start with Abraham, who will be a faithful follower of him, who will raise up his children, and they will raise up their sons and daughters, and they'll become this, this tribe, and then they'll become a nation of tribes, and then they'll become a united people group. And God is saying he will do that, but he's saying he's also, for the sake of Abraham and for the sake of his purposes for the whole world. He's not going to stop with the Jewish people. He's going to keep working with the Jewish people, but he is also going to do great things among the nations and bring them together with the Lord. Now, I read an article in the Times of Israel this week. It was a very interesting thing that it was reporting on because there was a, a prayer gathering in Jerusalem at the wall, at, um, at the Kotel in Jerusalem, the, the remains of the wall of the Jerusalem temple. And there were Christians and believers from all over the world who had gathered together there to pray for Jerusalem, to pray for Israel, to pray for the Jewish people, that God's great purposes for the Jewish people would be accomplished. It was, an, it was a nice sentiment, um, but it wasn't well received by some people. And so it turns out that the deputy mayor of Jerusalem organized a protest against um, this is how it's reported against the evangelicals who were gathered there. And it got a little nasty. Now here's the unusual thing. The chief Sephardic rabbi of Jerusalem condemned the protesters, condemned the, the people who he said were acting as if they were God-fearing Jews, and they're not. And he said, they are not people who are following Torah because they did something forbidden. They're people who are pretending. Isn't that interesting? 
Okay, so I'll read to you. The chief Sephardic rabbi of Jerusalem added his voice to the chorus of condemnation against the harassment of Christians in Jerusalem. Rabbi Shlomo Amar on Tuesday spoke out in an English language letter against the phenomenon which received attention in the media following an unauthorized protest on May 28th by religious Jews that was led by a deputy mayor of Jerusalem against Christian worshipers at the Western Wall. So it was against Christian worshipers. Now I can tell you this, there have been times when Jewish women um, are gathering at the wall to pray, and some of these same folks are protesting them too. So there's a lot, of st- a lot of background. But this is what he wrote. We were sorry to hear from non-Jewish clerics that a number of young Jews and some who pretend to be God-fearing persecute them with curses, blasphemies, and more as they walk the streets of the city of Jerusalem. No doubt, irresponsible people who are not at all observant of the Torah and its ways did this. We announce that such behavior is strictly forbidden. This is like, it's wild in the Jewish world. It's wild that the chief rabbi, the Sephardic chief rabbi uh, of Jerusalem would take a stand against religious Jews who are doing something against Christians or evangelicals. It's remarkable. It's and that's why the article was, was written, because it was so unusual. In the May 28th altercation, Deputy Mayor Arya King led hundreds of religious Jews who chanted, missionaries go home, as hundreds of Christians arrived to a southern section of the Western Wall for a prayer event that organized, an organizers advertised as being for God's plan for Israel. Very interesting to me. So I bring this up because there are people who don't grasp, there are Jewish people who don't grasp what the Haftorah says today. And that is that God is doing a work that that brings Jews and Goyim together in service to the Lord. Now, those of us who are Messianic, we know this. Do you know this? You better know it. You better know it. We talk about it all the time. It's it's part of Shavuot. It's part of the covenant God made with Abraham. It's part of our Messianic understanding. It's part of our identity as a Messianic synagogue, that we are a synagogue. We are a home for Jewish people who have found Messiah, and we're also home for all people who, who come from other nationalities and other backgrounds, but want to be joined to the Jewish people and what God is doing through Messiah. And so this is a prophecy that's being read in synagogues all over the world today. And today we can see that through the Messianic movement, it's not that Gentiles replace Jews, is that Jews and Gentiles can be joined together in Messiah. 
and we can overcome the, the barriers of hostility and uh, the ancient things that might separate people because of ethnicity or social background or all of the, the various ways that people can be divided. And today we can observe that many modern Jewish families are actually multi-ethnic families. They're blended families in Messianic congregations, I think, reflect this reality too. We're blended congregations. There's another passage in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And it, it says this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. I'll give a common, a familiar translation. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's one translation. Another one is this. Not by human force and not by human power, but by my own spirit, says Adonai Tzavaot. And I was looking at what the Hebrew has to say, and it uses words, chayil um, and koach, to describe these human forces, but these are good forces. Um, a woman of valor has chayil. Someone who serves by um, participating in the Torah service is often, uh, in, in many synagogues, is commended with a congratulations, not mazel tov, but one based on koach, um, you know, power to you. You showed power today. Good for you. It's like a way of saying you did, you did good. So the Lord is saying it's not by these good human things, but it's by my spirit that I'm going to do some things. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person that likes to get things done. How many of you like to get things done? Sometimes I want to get things done, and um, I'm not mindful of the timing of the Lord. Anybody ever have that kind of experience? I'm I want to do it too soon. I want to do it later. But there are other times when I want to do things in my own power because I know what the Lord wants to accomplish and I become impatient. Is that familiar? Is that a good word to use? I become impatient because I'm thinking, I guess I need to do something myself in order to bring it about. Has anybody else had that kind of experience? And there are times when our initiative is essential and our sense of responsibility requires that we just do what needs to be done. We don't need to be given every single instruction. We need to take the responsibility upon ourselves and then do what needs to be done. That's a good thing. But there are times when the Lord wants to do things his way. He wants to either fix things or he wants to change things. And we need to learn to allow him to do by the Spirit what he doesn't want to do by human effort. And that's not easy for everybody. Now, there are certain people who don't want to accomplish much of anything. And for them, it's easier. It's not that they're laid back. It's that they're lazy. They don't do anything. 
And so if somebody else is going to do it, fine with them. If the Lord's going to do it, fine with them, because honestly, they just don't feel like doing much of anything. And maybe you know some people who are like that. And it can be frustrating when you're depending on them to do something, and they don't want to do anything. So those people also can be um, real easygoing when it comes to, quote, spirit the Spirit. Let the Spirit do it. But they'd be just as happy if Joe did it, or Bob, or anybody else. There are times when the Lord says, what I want to do, I will initiate, and I want you to go along with. That's what he's saying, uh, if we can put that together from the um, prophetic reading from the Haftorah. The Lord is saying, here's what I want to do. I've told you this, and I want you to go along with it, but I'm going to do it by my spirit. So I want you to recognize that. What God wants to accomplish sometimes will take more than just our own human power and our own human effort. We need his spirit. And during the Shavuot season, we've been reading about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And through Messiah, we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And through Messiah, we can have assurance that God will lead us. So God promises he will lead us, but we need assurance of this. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16, speaks about this. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to bring you back into fear. On the contrary, you received Haruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, who makes us his children and by whose power we cry out, Abba, that is, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our own spirits that we are children of God. The Spirit of God can speak Hebrew and Aramaic because Abba is sort of a borrowed word from Aramaic that is incorporated into Hebrew. The Spirit himself will speak through you and say Abba to God. He will say it but your own mouth has to vocalize it. So it's the Spirit himself using you, saying something that is meant to resonate with what's in your spirit, that you are a child of God. Now let's go to the Torah portion. As the Levites were preparing for their service to the Lord, the menorah with its seven lamps was set up in the tabernacle, which was part of the, the mobile sanctuary before the Jerusalem temple was uh, built. So it was the sanctuary in, in the Mishkan, the holy place, and, and the, the tent of dwelling and meeting place. All of this was, um, was built for Israel 
so that they had a gathering place with the Lord and the presence of the Lord during the time from when they went out of Egypt until they came into the promised land, until they came to uh, settle in the promised land and to build the Jerusalem temple. So this describes the menorah with its seven lamps. It wasn't a Hanukkiah which has eight lamps. There was a menorah that was set up in the tabernacle, and we have sort of a homage to that in our two menorahs. Numbers 8, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, <clears throat> when you set up the lamps, the seven lamps are to cast their light forward in front of the menorah. Aaron did this. He lit its lamp so as to give light in front of the menorah as Adonai had ordered Moses. So it's a simple idea, but an important idea. The light shines to the front. It shines forward. Because forward is where we need the light. It's a lesson for Israel that the Lord gives us light so that we can see ahead. There are times in life when we can be like people who are driving, looking at the rearview mirror. And we're trying to look back. We're trying to find what we can so that we can see backwards. And maybe you've gotten trapped in that situation yourself where you can't see ahead because you're spending your effort and resources looking back. Of course, there are times when we need to review and we need to assess the past and we need to look backwards. But you can't drive forward if all you have is a rearview mirror. You can't drive forward if you're always looking like this. You drive forward by looking forward. And so the menorah reflected this. And it's a simple idea that God wants to give light that shines forward for you. And he'll give us light so we can see ahead. And when you want to develop a closer relationship with the Lord, he'll give you light so that you can move forward and move closer to him. I remember when I was first exposed to the reality that there was a Jewish Messiah who had come, Yeshua. And I was trying to reckon with that. I was trying to deal with it. What did I think about it? What was not only my opinion, what was I going to do about it if it were true? And one of the things that I recognize is the Lord was giving light to me so that I could move forward in his direction. And there were times when we would read from the Torah, from the Tanakh, from the Jewish Bible, and we'd see the ways that God was interacting with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with Joseph, with Moses, with the prophets, with King David, and it would bring light to us. It brought light to me as a Jewish person who wasn't fully persuaded about Yeshua. I did believe God existed, but Something was stirring in me as I saw the light that was coming from God's Word. God was shining light, and it gave me a hope and a future. 
Let's read now about one of the ways the Lord led the children of Israel through the wilderness to the promised land. It's in Numbers chapter 9. Brian Rose spoke about this. We sang about this today. How the Lord positioned himself in the wilderness and the cloud over the tabernacle. When the cloud would move, Israel would move. And as we're about to read this, I want you to think about this as an incredible example of the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the patience of God, in how he leads us and how he works with us. Because for some people, the idea of being led by the Lord is so uh, subjective and so super spiritual that they can't get even their, their mind to think clearly about it. And no doubt that was the case for many people of Israel during this time in the wilderness. And the Lord did something that was just so gracious. He said to Israel, I'm going to lead you on a path forward, and I'm going to use a pillar. I'm going to use a cloud. And everyone who can see can see the cloud. So whether you're young or you're old, you can see the cloud. And you don't have to have this incredible spiritual insight. You just have to pay attention. Does the cloud stay put or does it move? This is it. Everybody can be led. So with that in mind, think about this. God is making it possible for every individual in Israel at that time to be led by the Lord and to be led forward. Numbers 9, starting in verse 17. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tent, the people of Israel continued their travels, and they camped wherever the cloud stopped. At the order of Adonai, the people of Israel traveled. At the order of Adonai, they camped. And as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they stayed in camp. Even when the cloud remained on the tabernacle for a long time, the people of Israel did what Adonai had charged them to do, and they did not travel. Verse 20, sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle. Let's just underline that verbally. Let's say it together, a few days. According to Adonai's order, they remained in camp. And according to Adonai's order, they traveled. Verse 21, sometimes the cloud was there only from evening until morning. So let's underline that verbally, from evening until morning. Let's all say it together, from evening until morning. So that when the cloud was taken up in the morning, they traveled. Or even if it continued up both day and night, when the cloud was up, they traveled. Okay, let's underline that verbally, both day and night, both day and night. Verse 22, whether it was two days, okay, let's underline that verbally, two days, let's all say it together, two days, a month, or a year, that the cloud remained over the tabernacle, staying on it, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not travel, but as soon as it was taken up, they traveled. At Adonai's order, they camped, and at Adonai's order, they traveled. They did what Adonai had charged them to do through Moshe. So do you get this idea? This is a way that the Lord is saying to Israel, I can lead you. You can see the cloud. Everyone knows what to do. It's wonderful training. And here's 
one of the ways that it could be so useful to, to each person, every person could make an assessment for himself. How am I doing following this simple direction from the Lord? Am I doing it or not doing it? When the cloud moves, do I move? When the cloud stays, what do I do? When God moved, the people were to move. So each person could assess for themselves, how am I doing following the Lord in this very simple way? Now, there is a principle in life, and that is you start with a little and then you do more. You're given a little instruction. If you can do that faithfully, you're given more. You're given, given a little responsibility. If you can do that well, you're given more responsibility. Start with a little, add more. Don't start with, the, with too much. Start with a little and add more. It's, a, it's good for human beings. We're made this way. We need to start with a little and then to keep moving. So let's think about the temptations that could befall an individual or people together, a group of people, or even their arguments at any time. So one of the temptations is just to ignore that the cloud is moving. And it's easy to ignore something. You, you see a little bit, you turn. You look down, you concentrate on something else. Everybody who is a professional procrastinator knows how to do this. So one temptation is just to ignore that God was moving. But not only do you ignore that God was moving, you have to ignore that the people are moving who are not ignoring that God is moving. They're moving. Okay, that's one temptation. There's another temptation. I like where we are. I don't want to move. That's a normal human temptation, isn't it? If you like a place. But the Lord says whether you like it or not, that's not the question. When it's time to move, you move. Now, there's another temptation, and that is you don't like the place, which means I want to move before it's time to move. And then yet another temptation, if you're discouraged, you can be tempted not to stay put and not to go forward, but to go back the way you came, to go back to Egypt and to fantasize and idealize about how great it was. The food was so good in Egypt. The melons, oh, the garlic, the leeks. Mm. Now, all Jews and all Italians can appreciate garlic, but not every ethnic group can. But we could say Egyptian salsa. Now, there was another temptation, and that was just to kvetch, just to complain. It doesn't matter whether you're going to move forward into something better. It doesn't matter whether you understand that things can be difficult. You just want to complain. So that was a temptation. And there was yet another temptation. This isn't an, an exhaustive list, but these are things that surface in the readings 
if you read the whole uh, Torah portion this week. You can just gossip, just talk bad about each other. You know, when people are upset about something, it's often easier to say um, ugly things than it is to sing that song and mean it, your ways, Lord, are higher than my ways. And your path, your plans are good. It's easier just to say, bleh. And there are some people who are so good about speaking bad that they have to be dealt with. And you can read about that in the Torah portion. So what's the solution here? You, each person can take it personally, I think, and they can say to themselves, what am I learning about me? What do I know about me? Am I willing to go forward step by step when the Lord is going forward step by step? Am I willing to run forward when the Lord is running forward? Am I willing to stay put? Am I willing to stay with the group? And what does it also say, not just about me, but about my own group? How's my group doing? Are my people, the people I hang out with, are they the ones who encourage me to follow the Lord? Or are they the kvetchers? Are they the complainers? Are they the ones who don't want to move when it's time to move and they don't want to stay when it's time to stay? Everything's always wrong in their eyes. How are we doing? And then there's another way of looking at it. How are we all doing? Not just us, not just our group, but all of us together. How are we doing with this? And Israel had to learn to look at all those different levels and to pay attention to it. There were times when it was so difficult for Moses <laughs> that he prayed something like this, Lord, if you really love me, just kill me now. And I know one rabbi who wrote recently, <laughs> Um, I read recently something he wrote that um, he said, I, I read this, this trouble that Moses had and the things he said, whenever I am having trouble as a leader, because I recognize I haven't gotten that low yet. <laughs> and he said, if, if Moses could go through that and get out of it, you know, I can go through it and get out of it. And, and then he talked at length about how being a leader may mean being strong and having an encouraging and hopeful public face, but it is not easy leading the Jewish people. It's not easy leading them spiritually. And he used the word thin ice. And he said, many people don't realize how thin the ice is we stand on. I thought, wow, that's pretty candid. I read it after the rabbi had already passed away. So maybe he waited to tell us after he was gone. But what do you do instead? I think the answer is you keep looking upward to the Lord. You keep looking forward because our perspective is important and our focus is important and we have to trust God to lead us forward. I love the scripture that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without trusting God and being faithful to a tr God you can trust, you cannot please God. Trust is, is the foundation of it all. 
And so we want to keep an attitude that I would call a kadima attitude. Kadima in, in, in Hebrew means forward or charge. And we know this, the Lord will give us light so we can move forward and remember the Haftor portion. It's not just by our own power that we can move forward. And remember also the portion from Numbers. It's not just in our own timing that we can move forward, but it's by the Spirit of God. Let me just read you some quick verses. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. God's word shines for us so we can see where to go. And it's at our feet, not always further ahead than that. How many have had that experience? You want to see beyond, but all you can see is right in front. And on our path, not someone else's path, he'll give us light on our own path. Psalm 43, verse 3 says, Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. It's a psalm that is a personal prayer. And we can make it our prayer too. We can say, Lord, I need your light. Can you pray that way? Lord, I need your light. Lord, I need your truth. I need your guidance. Psalm 36, verse 9, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. I like this. In your light we see light. And then 2 Samuel 22, verse 29, You, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. Very personal statement about from King David. He's talking to God, you are my lamp, and he's talking about God. The Lord turns my darkness into the light. And I think all of this helps us understand what John wrote about when he wrote about Yeshua in John chapter 1. You can turn there. He was talking about the Word, being with God and being God, and the Word being light and Messiah being the light. Let me read this to you. It's our closing thought. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is so powerful, Mishpocha. It doesn't matter how difficult the world may be and how much trouble there may be in the world and the circumstances that you're going through or others are going through. Remember this, the darkness has not overcome the light of Yeshua. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not fully receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born 
of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I like this. Our Lord, our Messiah, Yeshua, is full of grace and truth. Favor and truth. Chen ve'emet. Chen v'chesed u'varachamim rabim. Other ways of saying it. Favor and loving kindness, covenant faithfulness, and great compassion and truth. Our life of faith, our life with Messiah, is a life marked by God's grace and truth, light and truth. We may be living in dark times. How many can confirm that? And yet the light of God shines on you. And the light that he gives to you will help you see your way as you move forward. And not only that, and this is important, the light he gives us can be a blessing to other people as well. And that's why we want to have this attitude, Kadima Mishpocha. We want to have that attitude with each other. Forward. And let's pray in this direction. Lord, we want to go forward with you. We want to be instruments of blessing. We want to be your agents of blessing. And we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds for this high calling so that we can fulfill your great plans and we can fulfill your great purposes for young and old together in your kingdom, for male and female together in your kingdom, for Jew and Gentiles together in your kingdom. Let us by, lead us by your spirit, Lord. Lead us with your light and truth. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen.